Here's Joel Spolsky in 2009 talking about simplicity and elegance in software. Uh, the checkout process. Amazon figured out that you don't need a checkout process. I'll go into that more. And a lot of people realize that this isn't the kind of homepage that people want. The ideal homepage would just be a box that you type in. Uh, I want to talk a little bit about elegant code, because this is software. Um, that's not actually, I put that up originally thinking that that's not, this, isn't, this is not elegant code, actually. This is my personal I hate this thing. People that write this code instead of that. Um, because I guess they're still used to BASIC, which is a programming like the original version of BASIC, where a Boolean is sort of nothing other than the input to an if statement. Um, um, so that's obviously a lot, a lot cleaner, but that's just normal. That's not elegant. Elegant is when you take the same aforementioned BASIC programmer and you tell them to copy a string using a language, a modern and, and, and cutting edge language like C, this is how they might copy a string. They'll be like, well, all right, I'll copy each of the characters one at a time by making a for loop. Um, so what's wrong with this? First of all, anybody want to shout out how fast this is? Got to be some programmers here. How, how slow? N squared, right. This is N squared. Um, if you don't know what that means, that's OK. Come ask me afterwards. Um, this is the code that you're taught to use to, to, to do this elegantly in, in C these days. And the reason, and when you look at that, you say, wait a minute, where is the body of the while loop, the body of the while loop? is missing. Well, that's, that's my definition of elegant code. I'm not saying all code should be elegant. Just my definition of elegant code is when the, there appears to be less code there than you might need. <laughs> but actually, it's all there. In other words, we've taken away a whole bunch of stuff, and yet it still does everything that you expect it to do. That's the definition of elegance, is removing stuff. This is, this is 21 lines of code, 22 if you count that import statement, written by Peter Norvig, uh, who's a chief architect, senior technical scientist at Google. Um, this is, you know how when you go to Google, if you type something and you spell it wrong, it says, did you mean blah? This is that code. It's not the actual code running on the Google servers. That's probably 9 million lines. But this does all that. It actually has all that functionality uh, built in. And when you look at it, you say, wait, did you mean, like you type something, it's a typo. And it then uses the entire internet to find what you probably meant and what you must have typoed. And this is really all you have to do to do that. And it doesn't look like you should be able to do that in 21 lines of code. And people start reading this, and they see a whole bunch of little definitions. And they say, OK, I see you're setting some stuff up. Where is page two? <laughs> and it's all, it's all that last line at the bottom there, second to last line. So um, it is actually kind of amazing how, uh, um, how this works. And part of this is a testament to the conciseness of Python. But it's also just sort of my definition of, of elegance is hiding things. Um, now, what you care about is elegance in features, elegance in products, elegance in user interfaces. And there, you're going to do a lot of work behind the scenes and under the covers. You're going to struggle. You're going to spend eight months instead of one week to eliminate one choice that the user used to have. So let's go back to Amazon one click. This is patented. Um, a lot of people were upset by this patent because they said, that's obvious. And actually, I hate to tell them, but it was not obvious. Nobody thought of it really, before Amazon did it. There weren't, there, nobody else had this. Uh, and it wasn't that obvious. And, and, and sort of my proof is that when Jeff Bezos told his team to go create one click where you just, on the page, you click a button, and you get the book. That's what he said, one click. They said, oh, that's a great idea. All right, boss. And they went away. And they came back with something that was, I think, four clicks. <laughs> and he said, no, no, I didn't mean one click, add to cart, and then take you to the cart. I meant one click, and the book that you just clicked on is put into a box and sent to your house. And they said, oh, OK. 
And they came back and they worked a lot harder and they came back and they showed him something that had two clicks. And he said, which part of one don't you understand? <laughs> and they said, no, you need a confirmation page. Somebody might click by mistake. You can't just start shipping things to people based on they followed a URL in their web browser. That's absurd. And he said, go back and friggin' make it one click. And they did. And what they realized is that the way they were imagining this was there's a decision tree. And the decision tree is, did you click or did you not click? And then, if you clicked, did you click by mistake or did you not click? Or did you click by not mistake? And they had been thinking this as, because you might click by mistake, they had been thinking, you click and then you confirm. And w the way they turned it around is, you click and then you can undo, but that part is optional. And since most people don't click by mistake, like 99% of the people are not clicking by mistake, just giving them a nice undo on that page that you click through to will make it so that only the people that make the mistake, which is a tiny fraction, have to use two clicks. Everybody else gets one click. And that's a really neat way of turning it around. There's, of course, the other problem, which is, what if I want to buy three books? Well, all right, click on each of them. You get three separate packages. And the way that the Postal Service works, that costs three times as much to ship. And so what you really want to do when somebody orders something is you want to kind of queue it up and hold on to that order. I think Amazon holds it for 30 minutes, if I'm not mistaken. And then if anything else comes in in the next 30 minutes, you reset the timer to 30 again and until they stop and they go away and 30 minutes have passed without you ordering something and then they take all those things and put them in a box and send it to you. That is obviously way more work than just you click, it goes in the cart and you, and you ship it. That's a lot more work. And the work behind the scenes to create that undo and to create that buffer where stuff is waiting for you for 30 minutes is a lot of extra work that it takes to get this little tiny bit of simplicity. So it's a game of inches. You have to fight really, really hard for every inch of increased usability uh, like this, uh, like the Amazon one-click kind of thing. So this is, um, uh, this is, this is pretty much uh, all we were going to talk about today. Um, simplicity versus power. Should you follow the, uh, um, the, the sirens who are saying you should do one thing, do it well, make something really, really simple, really, really easy, versus should you do something really, really powerful, the features, the options, the capability. What we saw is that the trouble with the power is that you cause people to make decisions and make them unhappy. The trouble with the simplicity is that you don't sell your software. So there's those two problems. Uh, but there is one approach you can use to, to, to try to resolve this. There's one thing that you can try to do to, to make life a little bit better, which is to figure out what is the elegant solution. And the way to figure that out is say, make a model. What do my users care about? What do they want? How am I going to make them awesome today? Uh, think of all the Kathy Sierra stuff. They don't care about the instruction manual operating instructions for the countdown timer. They want to know how to take a picture that you're in. That's why they're using the countdown timer, because they want you to be in the. And so it w if, as soon as you think about teaching somebody how to make a picture that they are in, then you want to teach them about where to put the camera and how to station it and how to hold it and how to get in it and how much time. And you're teaching them about different things other than your menu. So you're making them awesome. And to do that, you have to have a model for what they care about right now, what they really care about. And that's the area where you give them the features. And when you do give them the features, you fight for that elegance and that simplicity. You fight for hiding the, the complicated functionality under the surface, sort of, of your user interface so that you only give them one choice instead of six. But they still have all the same options. Thank you very much. So actually, there was two back-to-back -back anecdotes about Google and Amazon software, which I thought was pretty interesting. It may seem like you need extra complexity in order to provide more features, but if you're willing to rearrange things, you might be able to find a solution that's both simple and powerful.